0: Our scripture this morning is from the 6th chapter of the book of Hebrews as we continue our study through the epistle to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll read verses 13 to 20. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? (coughs) Hebrews (coughs) 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you. This portion of the holy word, will you pray with me, please? Our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that your word is truth. And we pray now, as we look at your word, that you would sanctify us by your word. We pray that we would be drawn closer to your Son, Jesus Christ, by your word. We pray that we would be made alive. We would. Draw life and growth in our spirit through your word, by the power of your spirit. And we pray that you would speak to us now, by your spirit, that we would see your son high and lifted up and hear his voice, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Be seated, please. The Anchor of Our soul. Early in my ministry, I remember giving a devotion in an assisted living facility where I did a devotion every Friday morning. And that particular morning, as I was giving my talk, a lady who was a resident at that place asked me, there in public in front of the group gathered is it possible to know for certain that I am going to heaven that's a good question maybe you figure for you that will be so many years into the future that uh, you don't need to concern yourself with such matters now but it Really is a bigger question simply than going to heaven later. Can you be sure that you are in right relationship with God now? The author of Hebrews is on the subject of assurance certainty he's told the people to press on not to be sluggish but to gain full assurance he tells them and he tells us to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises in Chapter 6 and verse 12. And now in this passage, he shows us one of those people we are to imitate. Those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. He shows us here a man who had assurance. He shows us how his assurance affected his life. But best of all, he shows us what his assurance was based on. He shows us the anchor of this man's soul. The anchor of our souls. Let's look at it. First in this passage, we see an anchor. An anchor. Look at verse... 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. <clears throat> now here he describes what has come before. He sums it up as a sure and steadfast anchor, something that holds us, that steadies us, that provides Stability for us. Remember, he has warned, through the book of Hebrews, as we've worked our way through it, he's warned about falling away, about drifting away. He's warned against turning back from Jesus. An anchor keeps a boat from, from drifting away. What's our anchor? Look at verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now Abraham here is... Set forth as the example we are to imitate. He, through faith and patience, obtained the promise. How did he do it? It Tells us Abraham had two things on which he relied, on which his anchor held. God's promise and then God's oath. God's promise to him. I will bless you and multiply you. You know the story of Abraham. God called him out. He was Abram in those days. God told him to leave his family, to leave his God. In Ur, the Chaldees. And God promised Abraham, if he would leave his family and their many gods and follow him, that he would bless him, that he would make him the father of a great nation, and he would bless all the nations of the world through him. And Abram obeyed God. He left. 25 years went by before he had one child. Now Abraham's faith was not absolutely flawlessly perfect. There was another child in that scenario. But though imperfect, Abraham continued to trust God. All those years. Even as God had promised he would be the father of many nations and he didn't yet have a child and he was pushing a hundred years old, he continued to trust God. He had God's promise. And then finally, you know the story, the child, Isaac, was born. Abraham, at this point, was not the father of a great nation, but the parent of one child. And then in his adolescent years, God called (coughs) Abraham to sacrifice that son. It was a loyalty test to see if Abraham would trust God. And we see that Abraham believed so strongly in God's promise that he would make him the father of many nations that he reasoned in his mind that if God commanded him to sacrifice Isaac and he did what God commanded, that God would raise his son from the dead. Of course, you know the story. Just as he was about to take the knife and slaughter his son, the angel of the Lord called to him, and the Lord provided the ram, the substitute, and it says he sacrificed that ram. In the stead of his son in its place. Which contracted down has become a word we use every day instead. Let me read you the conclusion of that story. In Genesis 22 beginning with verse 15 and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said by myself I have sworn declares the Lord because you have done this and have not withheld your son your only son I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. God had already promised Abraham he would make him the father of many nations. Now God swears an oath. He swears an oath by himself. Now in the text, Hebrews 6, look at verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul think about it we swear an oath By a higher authority. We take an oath with our hand on the Bible and say, So help me God, because there is no higher authority than God. So, how can the one by whom we swear himself take an oath? Well, there's nothing higher than God. So, God swore himself it's really unnecessary. we would swear take an oath in court for a couple of reasons one we're not the highest authority and two we take an oath in court because everybody lies God is the highest authority and God cannot lie so why did God swear an oath. Look at verse 17 again. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. God took this oath to show more convincingly Did it to help Abraham believe. He did it because Abraham needed encouragement, not because God needed to swear. That's all right. The Word of God. We talked a few weeks now. Passages in Hebrews about assurance. If you want to attain assurance of your salvation, go to the Word. Those of us in the quarterly saw in our Sunday school lesson this morning in Genesis 3, the devil, when he first came to tempt, Mankind, he challenged the Word of God. Did God really say? And when man in the Garden of Eden turned on the Word of God, he became cut loose from his ankle. You have an anchor in your life. Is the Word of God an anchor to your soul? We see an anchor. And secondly and finally in this passage, we see a forerunner. A forerunner. Look at verse 19 again. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now you see where we're anchored. We are anchored, verse 19 says, into the... Inner place behind the curtain Of course that's in the temple In the temple that inner place behind the curtain Was called the Holy of Holies And that place, that that most holy place Was a picture of the very throne room of God In the heavenly place The place where God is The people could not go in the temple into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and he could only go in there once a year. He entered that place on the Day of Atonement or the Yom Kippur to make atonement, to make a sacrifice for the people. Once a year. See, the Holy of Holies is a picture. In fact, the book of Hebrews, later we'll see, calls it a copy, a model of God's very throne room in heaven. It is the place, verse 20 says, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Jesus, our high priest, has made the perfect sacrifice of himself for our sins. And now he has gone into the holy of holies, not the scale model of it in the temple in Jerusalem, but the very holy of holy, the throne room of God himself in heaven it says he has gone there as a forerunner on our behalf he is our forerunner he has gone ahead we will go where he has gone because He has gone to heaven. His people will go to heaven. And not only will we go to heaven with Him one day, but it says we are anchored to Him there now. That is what holds us. That is what can keep a man or a woman steady when the hurricanes of life bear down. You think about the ship. A ship that is anchored and the rope binds the ship to the anchor. Of course, that rope is faith. Holy Spirit worked inspired faith in our hearts that is anchored to the person of Jesus Christ in heaven, in the holy place. Look at verse 18 again. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us we have fled for refuge thankfully dorian did not hit the south carolina coast as hard as we had feared but you know governor mcmaster early last week ordered an evacuation of the coast and they rerouted I 26 east so it was headed west. So people in harm's way could flee for refuge. Where do we flee for refuge when the storm is coming? When life falls apart? We flee to Jesus. In the holy place, hear a expression sort of rubs me the wrong way, especially uh, here at funerals. Says it in maybe you've heard it sort of common for people to say in hard times you need to rely on your faith or I'm relying on my faith to get me through this. Folks, we don't rely on our faith. We rely on the living person of jesus christ that's what real faith is it is accepting receiving and resting upon the person of jesus christ faith doesn't rest on itself it's not anchored to itself no we rely Our anchor is Jesus Christ himself who has gone on as our forerunner into the heavenly place and has promised where I am, there you may be also. lady that day in this sister living home asked me can I be certain that I am going to heaven I asked her some questions first I asked her ma'am do you believe in Jesus she said yes sir then I asked her What does Jesus say about those who believe in him? And she answered, he says, they have eternal life. So then I asked her another question. Ma'am, could Jesus ever lie to you? She said, of course not. Jesus doesn't lie said let's get this right you believe in Jesus Jesus promises whoever believes in him has eternal life and Jesus cannot lie I said "Ma'am, why wouldn't you know for certain that you would go to heaven Promised. And he doesn't lie. Do you trust him? Do you trust his word? Do you know his word? Do you have an anchor?